0: Relax, put your hands on your chest. What I'd really like to do is talk to Dana. I want to talk to Dana. Dana, it's Peter.
1: There is no Dana.
0: There is only Zoo. Oh, Zuli, you nut now. Come on, come on. I want to talk to Dana, Dana. Just relax, come on. Dana, Dana, can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zoo. What a lovely singing voice you must have all right you primitive screwheads, listen up see this this is my boomstick uh what exactly is it that they do kick names take ass
2: blue flower red thorns. blue flower red thorns. blue flower red thorns. this would be so much easier if i wasn't colorblind
1: Thank you, thank you. Come one and all. You have found us. You're back. We're here. Sit back, relax, enjoy for the next hour and a half or say. I don't know exactly. We're just going to let the movie take us where the movie wants us to go, you know? Um, This is Get a Load of This Movie, a franchise movie podcast. We cover movies that are part of a franchise. I I talked to a few people and they were confused by our rules. Um, And so a movie has to have more than two... Uh, to be considered um, a, a, a movie that we will cover. Um, someone asked us to cover cars. Uh, he was not a fan of the podcast, and I said we already did cover cars. And he asked us to cover it again. Um, so <laughs> I figured we could do that next. We, could, we can just, okay. just talk about that right now. We're here. Well, uh, he he uh, wants, no, to, he, he wants to be on here. the episode. He wants to be on the episode. Well, uh, tell so this
0: person I, they missed the boat.
1: I told him that he can just listen to the episode and just talk throughout it. And act like we're responding to him. Um he didn't like that answer. But uh this this episode we will be covering, you know what? This one this one I'm actually really excited to talk about. I, I don't I wasn't really like I wasn't what? really like uh like ecstatic, but after watching it I was like, this is gonna be a fun conversation. Anyway, we are talking about Ghostbusters, the nineteen eighty seven, is that right? 84. I thought it was eighty four. 1984 uh Ghostbusters um and yeah uh I guess my name's Corey hey what's up I'm Cole and I'm Zach and Cole is wearing a beanie and a shirt with it uh never mind uh just a beanie Corey, Corey, yeah, you got no me this shirt. shirt. You got me this yes, that's shirt. That's right. Well, I was going to say something that you were going to say, don't include that in the podcast. So I decided just not to say it. Uh, anyway, okay, cool. uh, do we have any, anything else Saves preamble before later. we get started?
2: Um, uh, no, I like the movie. I guess, Cole, do you want to tell us uh, what the box office whoa, letterbox
0: spoilers. is? Spoilers. Jeez. The average letterbox was honestly lower than I thought it was, was going to be. This holds a 3.8 on letterbox. Mm. okay that yeah. is lower than I thought it would be definitely lower than I thought it would be um the budget though is estimated to be 25 to 30 million for the film but it grossed 295.2 million dollars in 1984. That's it's pretty a good good. old-fashioned roi okay
1: I like that <laughs> I like that we're starting off with that we can kind of talk about that'm i I'm interested to talk about the uh, letterbox and how people you yeah. know how people view this movie because. Oh, the letterbox. I mean, maybe it was just too scary for them. I guess we could just. We, we, we could talk about it as we get in. But we have to do one thing first. <gasps> yes, we do. The call sheet. Hello.
2: You don't know me, but I know you. I want to play a game.
1: Uh, okay, guys. I went back. <laughs> My roots here. Oh, I said, you know what? I was stretching too far. I was, I was burning the candle from both ends, and <laughs> I was floundering. <laughs> you were flying
2: bad. those wax wings a little too close to the sun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I was melting. So I went back to the good old fashioned four questions, mm. four question trivia with a bonus. It's a good okay? one. Okay, and as always, the bonus is closest to the pin. Um, I picked this bonus because I, I think this was one of my. I really liked this part of the movie. I'm just going to give you that. and But I think you guys will both probably get it. If like not one off, exact. So I don't know exactly how this is going to work. So instead, if you guys both get the bonus correct and it comes down to the bonus, it's going to be whoever sends it in the fastest. Okay? Okay. Cool. Sound good?
2: Yeah. yeah. Sounds awesome. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Perfect. Okay. Are you guys both ready? We're going to get into it. You guys are going to text me your answers. We're going to go one by one by one. Wait a sec. Uh, I
0: got to stretch.
2: Oh my god.
0: Gotta stretch. It's trivia
2: time. Gotta stretch. I gotta go make some pancakes. I'll be right back. (laughs) Okay,
1: question one. Bill Murray is conducting an experiment when we first meet him, but he is shocking the guy uh, when both contestants are getting the answers wrong. What card does the guy guess correctly? What card does the guy (laughs) guess correctly? Cole, if you watch the movies, you should get this. Zach, really if you funny. watch the movies, you should get it's
2: this. A re- <laughs> it's a really funny the way he gets Okay,
1: I have, I have two answers on to the next question. When they're worried about money and trying to figure out how they're going to start this thing, they take out, they go to the bank and have uh, Ray take out how many mortgages or how many mortgages does Ray have on his house after
2: they have him take out?
1: Okay, I have one answer. Okay, I have two.
2: I know the interest rate, too. It was 19%. Oh, <laughs> well,
1: there you go. Well, question number four. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, question number three. Uh, after getting kicked out of the university, what are the guys nervous about? getting kicked out of the university what are they they're having a conversation and they're saying like oh no this and that and this and that what are they nervous about there are technically two different answers to this and i will accept either look at that okay i have one answer i have two answers okay final question before the bonus finish this quote I'd like to work with you some more. Why don't you come by this evening? Say. Oh, fuck. Do you want me to say it again? Would you like me to repeat the quote? Yeah, say it. I'll repeat the quote. Finish this quote. I'd like to work with you some more. Why don't you come by this evening? Say. I do have a hint.
2: Go not Oh, uh, uh... Damn it, I already well, saw that. I, I, have an
1: ans- I, I know, I have an answer from both of you, so. It, I,
0: I undid really. myself. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, I already, I already saw it, so you got it, doesn't change it. Okay, let me count it back up. Okay, we do have an, uh, a winner, but we are going to go through the bonus. So it doesn't really matter, we're just going to see who can get closest to the pin or get the correct answer. Bonus How many times does Lewis get locked out of his apartment? <laughs>
2: How many times does Lewis get locked out of his apartment? It's like one of my notes is how good of a bit that is. It's such a good reminder. We have an answer
1: <laughs> from both of you. Okay, here we go. Let's go through them one by one. Bill Murray is conducting an experiment when we first meet him, but he is only shocking the guy when both contestants are getting the answers wrong. What card does the guy guess correctly? Cole said a star. Zach said three wavy lines. The answer was three wavy lines, but the guy says uh, it's, uh, it's a couple Some of wavy way. lines. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not your day.
0: <laughs> he is a bad person. Uh, question scientist. number two. You There's can bad keep, your, for you can keep your five dollars.
1: <laughs> well, maybe he was, he was measuring something else in the experiment. <laughs> maybe my theory is correct.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, question number two. How many mortgages does Ray have on his home? Zach said, wait, sorry, that was Cole's answer. Zach said, three mortgages. Cole said, second mortgage. <laughs> On Ray's childhood home, it was actually his third mortgage on Ray's childhood home. I'm sorry. Everyone has three uh,
2: mortgages these days. Everyone <laughs> has three mortgages these days.
1: Uh, question number three: What is or what is Ray nervous about after getting kicked out of the university? Cole said, or no, that's actually Zach said, working in the private sector results. Cole said, money. Both answers were correct. They were having a conversation about both. Uh, so, a point for each of you. Question number four. Finish the quote. I like to work with you some more. Uh, why don't you come by later this evening? Say, 8 o'clock? Damn it. She says 8 o'clock, and he's like, I was just about to say that. 8 o'clock? Uh, and you guys both said 7. So that was incorrect for both of you.
2: Um,
1: I believe Zach won 3 to 1. Uh, and here we go with the bonus. How many times does Lewis get locked out of his apartment? You guys both got this correct. It's 3 times
2: the second time uh, is so funny when when just bill murray like he came out just because he heard the door open and it, when it yeah. sees it's not <laughs> dana he tries to go back in which implies yes. that he was waiting to see if, right <laughs> like by the like door he's just like ready <laughs> right. in case she leaves her apartment
1: my favorite my favorite one was the first one because she's being like so quiet and tiptoeing and then he just pops out i was like oh it's you it's like she was being loud i that was, that was so good anyway
2: action. Even the opening scene, there's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's all so predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming.
1: Ah! Did that surprise you? Ah! Now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. The bits in this movie worked so well. So, so well for me. I'm like, I'm, I don't think there were many bits that missed. I, I think it's got a
0: that.
1: 95%
2: success rate on bits, at least. Definitely oh, yeah. does.
0: I do think the thing that works best for me is, and I wanted to kind of get your guys' feel about this. So, the opening sequence feels like full, full 80s, like campy horror, you know, because it focuses solely on the librarian. And these days, of course, that gets spoiled in the trailers, the whole opening scene. But can you imagine in the nineteen eighties? You probably don't. You probably know Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, all these big names. Sigourney Weaver are in mm. this movie, but you start it by focusing on a librarian, and it's well, done that crazy. So, but it's done so well. It's practically a cold open. It's like Scream.
2: It's actually exactly a cold
0: open. Yeah, it's, but it's, that's what it is. But it just, it takes us into the plot because it ha- the score, I feel, is so well done. It's kind of got this eerie, like, touch to it. And then the scream that sends is I remember when I was, like, four years old, that scared the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 40. It's a,
2: it is an effective opening call. And yeah, I was actually, it, it's, it's not a bad point at all because I was actually thinking like, what, what would, what do we need this opening scene? I didn't even mean that in a negative towards the opening scene. I'm just trying to imagine it starting by meeting, you know, vankman at the, um, you know, him doing that test that we were pretty much talking about during the call sheet. Um, it, it is effective, and I, I actually I do agree that the score, I think, is actually an underrated aspect of this movie, because a lot of the focus goes on to the theme song itself. Uh, you know, the Ghostbusters theme by, what is it, Ray Parker Jr.? Is that yes. what the guy's name is? Uh, obviously an iconic song. We can talk about that in a second. But like I, I think the score is an underrated aspect of this movie. I think it does its job really well. and I, I would be able to recognize multiple different parts of this movie if you played them on their own, you know, you know divorced from the actual images on screen. I would know that's Ghostbusters music, and I would I'm, I'm into it. It is eerie. Like you said, it was a good word uh, to lead off. it. Cause this is a very, it's, a, it's a nice marriage of comedy. And this horror. is going to sound stupid. Yes. Yeah. Right it's, away. It, this is going to, I was going to say like, he manages like genuine terror, even though it's not like really that scary to us, but like the, some of the characters are pretty fucking scared um, with, with the slapstick comedy without the, the ghosts themselves turning into the jokes. You know what I mean?
0: I definitely like that though we are given this movie and there are quite a few characters, all of the other Ghostbusters, Bill Murray does not take any of this seriously. And that is probably my favorite favorite thing that works for this because as soon as that transition's done from the cold open and we go to Bill Murray, we are introduced to our protagonist. Who clearly treats everything as a joke, just does what he wants, you know? They're they're in this shitty little office, and they clearly need to do research, but he's using it to pick up college girls.
2: Yeah, he's a bad scientist. I think he should have been fired. I I, I think it's a great call to get rid of their grant and fire them from the university. Are you kidding me? <laughs> a, the ghost hunters that are reasonable. <laughs> yeah, this. I think I think they were like asking for it, but call it fate, call it karma. I believe everything happens for a reason, okay?
1: Here's here's my question. I was a little bit curious about this because I, I, it, it was kind of fun to have someone like, okay, like we know, us as the audience, we know that ghosts are real. We know that they are terrorizing people. And we know that these other two guys are taking it very seriously. It was kind of fun to have this like kind of other side of the coin where it's like, I, no way. Like, I, no. Like, I know I got a Ph.D. in uh, parapsychology. Yeah, and it's like, so he obviously knows, like, he did that for a reason and spent all this time dedicated his life to to being there for, like, the, the, the supernatural. And he's just I, like, no way is this real. I, <laughs> he's like, he just did it for fun. <laughs> I would love,
0: no
1: aspirations.
0: It, at some point, they reveal that, like, Ray... He basically probably beat up Ray or bullied Ray into doing all his homework. Basically what he does throughout the movie, he bullies Ray into getting what he wants. And that's the only reason he has a degree in parapsychology or a doctorate in general. I would love if that's like revealed somewhere down the line in this franchise.
2: He does uh, kind of, I mean, you could see it. I'm glad that we don't have to like push that down the line though for, for Peter to kind of come on board with like the, like the reality of these ghosts, because it, it isn't just an that opening scene with the librarian because it, the first sign is obviously he's skeptical. Cause even he's like no human being would stack a books like this. Like, so he's still skeptical there, <laughs> yeah. but like, then he, I think the first sign is like, he doesn't react much to the ectoplasm or whatever, but then, then the bookshelf falls and he just kind of looks at Ray and he's like, this ever happened to you before? He's like, no, he's like, First time, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <was> just like <laughs> okay. I think that's that's his first like. All right, some, something's a little fishy something's going here. On here. <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's really well done. Uh, you know, introduction of that. Um, I think some of the music choices. I know I was just talking about the score and how good the score is, but and obviously the main theme song is great. But this would be like my one example of something really small that doesn't quite work for me, and it really is so small. It's just like after that. Ghost scares them and they run out. We we cut to some just pretty hokey music there as they're running out, which is it's fine, it's it's when whatever. But running. I think there are some other soundtrack songs that aren't the title track that don't really work for me. That kind of make it feel too silly, and that would be that would be one of those one or two examples. Uh, but I not just on that subject though. So the Ghostbusters song. Can you guys? Is there another original song for a movie that you think it is? better because <laughs> i think it really is just suits suits this vibe of this movie so perfectly you and it's so iconic Mary,
0: it marries the film kind of perfectly
2: it really does i was gonna say maybe the two i could Men think of black. that i would put up there with this i well, would say Men in black is what uh, i was kind of thinking but not actually
0: but my heart will that. go on <laughs> i think <laughs> that, that was one of them that, that marries them. um that pretty well and damn
2: one one other one i'll give you a hint it won the Oscar, and it is this person's only Oscar in 2000. The movie came out in 2002.
1: No idea. I'm out. You I'm know happy. the song.
2: I know you know the song, Corey, so that's why it's interesting. But I I, I can imagine it, it would be a harder one to know that it was for a movie or which movie. But uh, Eminem, 8 Mile. Oh, yourself. shit. Yeah. Oh.
0: First rap song to ever win an Oscar. Yeah. Go on, I guess Corey. you can't
1: separate that one. Well, I was going to say, especially with the um, uh, Titanic, and My Heart Will Go On. Right? That's what it's from, right? Titanic. Mm-hmm. Am, yeah. Am I wrong with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, when I said it, it didn't sound right, and I was like, "Wait, no, that came from." Uh, but I thought you meant like.
0: Rose's heart went on.
1: Is almost like tied to it. Like you can't like when you look up the name, it's like looking up the movie. That's why I said Men in Black. Well, that's but a good. A that's a good point
0: because
2: I think this one is. More even more tied to its movie, while still being that level of quality, as you know those other two that I mentioned.
0: Now, but
1: like my heart will go on. I feel like if you didn't attach it to Titanic, it'd still be a good song. You did. It is. Didn't necessarily need to. So that's why I was like, I don't know if I would necessarily. But anyway, um, I feel like here's my only issue with the movie. This is my. Biggest so issue, and I think it's my only issue. Early. Well, see. I, I kind of wanted to address this kind of quickly, because I wanted to mm. tie it back to the Letterbox score. Of I, I didn't really feel like the beginning worked so well for me. I was laughing. I was engaged. I loved it. I was here for it. I was really into the whole thing. But then after they catch Slimer, is that his name? Yes.
0: Is Technically, name? he is not named that in the movie. It's just become a name within pop culture. That's how we can Slimer. talk about him. That's how we yeah. shout yeah. about
1: it but but sli- after they catch slimer and like right up until basically the EPA comes and turns off the the machine i want to say that like that middle section like you almost there's nothing really necessary to the film Dude, like, not
2: a lot of plot momentum, I would
0: say.
1: Yeah, and it kind of slowed down. Like, they still had good bits, but I didn't find myself laughing as much. But then towards the end again, I was laughing. I was engaged. Like, I was back into it. Like, everything from the first part of the movie, like, up at, like, the the EPA comes. I, I think, like, right before that when he goes to see Dana. And he's like, can you please come down? Like, he just sounds so <laughs> defeated. And I was like, okay, we're, we're back. <laughs> we're so back now. And it's like, ah, that kind of... It just, it, it, it felt like we were doing so good and they they finished so good that it was like they didn't know what to do with that center part of the movie. And I don't really know what they would do with it. Like, I guess it only makes sense to like kind of show, oh, they're doing really, really well. So that fall at the end kind of works. But so, it, well, they, we got to play it, the theme song over a montage. Oh, we need I know, that. but I, but like, that's when you introduce uh, the, the, uh, um, Winston. Oh my gosh. Yes, Winston. I was gonna say Wilson. I was like, that's not right. But that's so, when they introduce Winston and it's like why I I wish they would have introduced him more at the beginning because then you would have had a time with him as well. And when you're introducing him during this, this part of the movie that almost seems um irrelevant or not really like plot heavy, it it almost just fades into the background and then he's a big part of the movie, which is like I, I understand like they're growing, so they have to expand. They need um, more Ghostbusters, but it's like I, I really wish they would have introduced him like, oh, we need another Ghostbuster right when they introduce uh, their receptionist. I can't remember her name, but it's Annie Potts. Oh, she's so funny. Bo Peep. Gene? She's so good. I think is gene? it a I wish they would have introduced them both at the same time because it kind of took away from... Winston, because at the very end, he's so funny and he delivers his lines so well. This and ain't I really worth really the 11.5 so. f- <laughs> a year. Yeah, it's like okay, it's so good and so yeah, so. Corey, that was my biggest gripe, though.
0: I so they're actually um, when they were originally writing the screenplay, uh, Bill Murray was not supposed to play Peter Venkman. Uh, it was supposed to be John Belushi, but unfortunately. Due to his... Um, I'm drug glad attacks. that did not happen. He, Well, he died, Corey. That's the only reason he didn't play the character. John, like, Thank Belushi? God. John Belushi? Uh, <laughs> Good yes,
2: John Belushi. Good
1: <laughs> riddance. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> anyway. John Belushi's
2: from Animal House. He was an SNL That
0: He's yeah. from Steven Spielberg's hit film, 1941. Oh, no, we don't talk about 1941, and I don't think John Belushi or Steven Spielberg like to talk about 1941. Well, uh, John Belushi's
2: not talking about many movies these days. Oh, but
0: oh!
1: Anyway. I actually have no idea who this guy is. I th-
0: Oh, I was thinking of uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Dear God. <laughs> di- I think at this time Steve uh, Buscemi was still a firefighter in New York City, so he might have been an extra in this movie for all we know.
2: Steve what? Martin could have done it, I think. I think Steve Martin might have been fine as in this role. Steve so, Martin would have been good. I, but, I
1: I take back what I said about John Not Lewis that I would ever I replace Bill Murray. Is. Not that I would yeah.
2: ever want anyone to replace Bill Murray in this role. Yeah. I think this is Bill Murray's best role that I've seen. My hot but, take is I don't think Bill Murray is that funny in Caddyshack. So this is easily his funniest one to me.
0: But that brings me to my next point, which was – So Dan Aykroyd um, really made his big name in film in this 1981 movie called Trading Places. And he was going to ask his co-star from that movie to play Winston. Winston was going to be in it from the beginning. That co-star's name was Eddie Murphy. So Eddie Murphy was going to be the original Winston. He was going to be in it from the beginning. But they thought when Harold Ramis came in, they thought it was mm. too many big names. Would have been one yeah, of the original. So they, got the black eye out of it. they
2: pushed the black eye to the side is what you're saying.
0: I, I believe so, yes. Harold Ramis, Washu grad. But, well, Harold Ramis was writing it with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. He?
2: I think I, the original that draft would have gone.
0: Aykroyd uh, yeah, but that that's my question. So would you have preferred— I mean, I love Ernie Hudson, and I can't— At this point, he's very iconic in the role. I can't see anybody else playing Winston from that's yeah. just my point of view um, i
2: would not have any trouble seeing eddie murphy in that role and i think it would have been a, i mean i think ernie hudson's great and i think he works really well coming in as the skeptical guy doing it you know with no science background doing it for a paycheck and then for him to have to see all these things you know firsthand and you know it's funny to have someone that's not that wasn't part of the original gang at their original setup at the university and, you know, working yeah. together for a while. It's funny to have, you know, someone come in and kind of be the outsider and have to, you know, see these things for the first time yeah. and react as such.
1: I feel like I don't, I don't know if I would have, a,
2: well, with Eddie
1: Murphy coming in, I feel like he's a very loud personality and like that's what makes him funny. The and character really would have
0: been different, you know, the, the, the character, character would have, would have very had different. to been and I, different and I, to fit Eddie's comedic yeah.
1: style. And he would have like I could see him still being like a little bit more like more uh, skeptical and still could have been like the same like rough outline of a character, but I like that he's a little bit more reserved and a little bit more stoic, you know. And he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, and kind of sits back and. But Eddie Murphy, I feel like would have been more up and like loud about it, just because that's his style. And I I, I uh-huh. feel like Ernie Hudson did. I, I I don't know if I would have. Not saying I wouldn't have appreciated Eddie Murphy and it would have just been a very different character and I feel like then you would have had to introduce him towards the beginning. Yeah. I'm he's picturing King the way he would like say, a "That's movie.
2: a big Twinkie" in my head, and it's it's different, but it's still funny. I'm telling you guys, I'm watching yeah, well, it in my head. It's, it's, it's a, still, a it's it's good, good line. line it's a good line. It's a good line. The way know?
1: the way he does it, he's like, "That's a big Twinkie." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he delivers it.
2: Would it Would very have been a different well. delivery, but it's, it would have been a different type of funny. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's good. Uh, I do want to ask. I do. It's a larger point though about how you know he's a he's a smaller character in this movie, and yet he's still memorable. And I would argue. Annie Potts, like you said, Corey. As Jean, is so also good. She is so fun. Ghostbusters. What do you want? You know her. She is so. <laughs> That's good. My favorite line. Uh, I think this is this is such an odd moment or Janine, to say, but like it's Janine. I think, yeah, Janineer. Janine, yeah, you're right. Good call. Good call. Important, important name tip. Thanks, Cole. Uh, yeah. The when <laughs> when Bill Murray comes in before business starts booming. And he's like, any any calls? No, any any customers? No. He's like, it's a good job, isn't it? And she's like, yeah. And she says something, and he's like, type something. We're 10- this whole 10-second sequence of that, and then type something. We're paying for this stuff. Don't look at me with the <laughs> bug eyes. And then one second later, hey Janine. Sorry about the bug guys saying I'll be in my office. <laughs> it's just like his, <laughs> his office is just like right behind her. It's one big open space, and then Harold Ramis comes up her. from under the desk. It's just like this <laughs> is such good like character writing and like just it's subtle enough humor. Like, but it, I don't know, it works really well for me. It's just such a funny, See, like, funny people being funny. You know,
1: that's also, when Ernie Hudson should have come in and not Sigourney Weaver.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Well, we can talk about Sigourney. Getting Beaver rid of women. If we want to talk no, about her. What I mean. No, no, no. Corey just Warren.
1: push your scene to a different part. But that's when
2: Ernie Hudson. Pushing
1: out women. Okay.
2: I love the way she describes uh, uh It's such a great character description when she's like, you're more like a game show host. That seems like a good trailer line to me. You know, like that's. <laughs> that seems like a good trailer. Do a, watch trailer he's a scientist one? who's more like a game show host. That's Peter Vankman. Then Rick Moranis, like we just said. Uh, as Phenomenal. Lewis is also so funny, I think
0: he's is so, is, is so, Rick
1: Moranis in the second one? Yeah, let's I I so. talk about the second one. But I don't, I can't remember if yes, yeah, I, I
0: remember it, very but, little about it. Okay, okay. so the easy. character, that character, and I don't know how you guys would f- gonna feel about this. So John Candy was originally cast to play Lewis. That would make sense, but who he got kicked to the curb? When him, and I believe it was Ivan Reitman who directed the film, had a disagreement because Candy wanted to make him this like weird Swedish guy.
2: <laughs> mm, no, I'm out. No, I'm out. Yeah. I like Rick Moranis' I, take more as the, in, the nerdy loser guy. With a really happening party, though. With a really... <laughs> just a real historic party he's throwing I there. think
0: it's really funny, too. And I think the character works so much... He does not see himself as the other people in the film and the audience see him. And it works so well because he doesn't think he's being annoying. He thinks he's being charming. He's like, okay, he's not self-aware at all. No talks a lot. Okay. Talks
2: fast, says a lot. You know, he, his lack of self-awareness is not full display when he's like, Oh, you made a date for tonight. And, He's like, okay, you can bring him along. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like it's just that's so, a really good character writing. And it's really funny, uh, you know, his his line of like, oh, that's why, you know, I can actually write this off or whatever. That's why I invited clients instead of friends. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And like, it's just like, it's such a good, <laughs> like, just that set entire up, one whole shot attitude so, about this whole thing.
1: The entire one shot of him introducing his guests and like dancing and then saying, oh, I'll be right here. Don't move. <laughs> it's like, it's such a good one shot.
2: He, he starts dancing. He asks a really attractive girl to start dance with him, and she's like, okay, and she's into it. And then he's like, oh, okay, wait, one second. There was another doorbell. It's just like <laughs> he starts, he's just such an odd character. It's so
0: funny. Yeah, It works so well. I don't think there's a character in this movie that doesn't land for me. That being said, I think all of what he says lands for me because of the way – because of the way Harold Ramis portrays the character, and that is Egon. There's all these moments where he's so deadpanned, and my favorite one is when the stay puff is coming at him, and he's like, you got anything, Ray? Nope. Got anything, Egon? I'm sorry, Vankman. My mind has gone past the point of thinking rationally
2: i'm scared i'm scared beyond the point of rational thought it's just like but he says it like he says every other line in the movie which is uh, all rational thoughts (laughs) and it's just (laughs) but it's done yeah it's a good setup for that and he's i think honestly with the hot take for me it's not even a hot take uh i think dan Aykroyd is funny in this movie and he's probably my least favorite one like i think everyone in this movie is so distinct and so funny uh in their own roles they're all distinct but they're not archetypes you know or they're not stereotypes or whatever they they all feel nuanced they're not just one trick ponies you know they're not just doing the same bit over and over and everyone is everyone is funny and everyone is different which is just when you have a movie like that a comedy is really destined you know for for success Success. so i mean this this really fits that bill i think uh, in terms of like an ensemble and of course you have bill murray at the the front of it um Playing, just I think one of the, one of the probably an all time best comedic performance. One of the, I'm not saying is oh, yeah. the funniest performance of all time uh, by someone in a movie, but it is up there at least. In movie let's let's narrow it down to movies we've covered. <laughs> movies we've covered on our podcast. What is a funnier performance by someone? Ooh, uh, the only one that jumps me. in my head would be like, and I would not say this is funnier. I'm just thinking of like what comedies have we covered? Mike, my- I don't think Mike Myers. Is say... funnier in any of his roles in the Austin Powers movies than Bill Murray is here. Maybe if you encapsulate all the roles he has to do between like Doctor Evil and Austin in that first movie, maybe I, I don't know. But like, it- it's hard to top how funny in with his deadpan delivery uh, that Bill Murray is in this movie.
0: I like I like her because she's inst- interesting and she sleeps above her covers, four feet above her covers. Four
2: feet. I. I mean, him, him giving shit to that guy that she's with, even – he already got the date. He already won. He's, he's in the yeah. lead. And then he, he has, has to double put down. in a jab at that guy like, in a good day to you, you're, I'm, you're, I'm glad you're feeling better, Sorry. but you still look a little pale. Like, it's just like, why, why does he have to do that? But it's so funny. And then him, that's like, such a great character detail because he's – at that moment, that's probably he's feeling at the top of the world. And that ice skating or that roller skating person is like spinning – and he just, like, starts just spinning himself. Mimics. I love that. I love that.
0: Also, he also, he has the greatest one-liner in any movie ever when um, Build up. Peck is going off and Dan Ray goes, everything was fine till Dickless here turned off our reactor. And the mayor looks at them and goes, is this true? And he just looks down and he goes, yes, it's true. This man has no dick
2: see Cole that's a funny line but the the fact that this movie he's so funny in this movie that I would not even put that in his like top 10 I line delivery it's an in this movie.
0: all-time like, one-liner though
2: him him the one that Corey and I used to do a lot in uh <laughs> they hate this. was they, yeah the piano they hate they hate this they, they just hate the this piano. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, generally so you don't good. see that type of behavior in a kitchen appliance you yeah. know it's <laughs> just that he's so no, good in that my, whole scene
1: my favorite delivery was like one of the first lines that he has when he's looking at the girl and they're doing the experiment and he's like, and he like does something with his face. I don't know what he does with his face. <laughs> it's he's like, like a, a little.
2: I knew exactly what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <is> <laughs> he
1: like, he like closes <laughs> his eyes and then opens them like weirdly and he just like does something with his, I don't know how he does it, but when he did that, I was like, oh my God, we are so back. That's what I thought. Yeah, I'm fuzzy on the whole this good so bad good. thing.
2: What's bad? <laughs> you know, yeah, just what's bad? Okay, that's bad. Okay, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. You know, like that all those deadpan deliveries he delivers so well. It's uh, looking
0: at me, Ray. I
2: think he can hear you, Ray. I wish I could. I, I want to avoid just repeating lines from the movie because it's like yeah, you no know, people listen. People listen to this you, podcast. They know the movie, or else they wouldn't be listening. You to. the say lines We could the movie, probably quote this movie all so, day. It's I know, and it's so easy to do that, and it's so funny. Um, this movie now, for me, I think. Oh, go yeah, go ahead. Well,
0: I did I did want to bring up something. This this has to do with quoting, but it's something the characters do. Now, when Winston comes in, it kind of gives this, it gives gravity to the movie. It's like the everyman came in, you know, this guy off the street came in, and he's he's living mm-hmm. the life that all these people are seeing these guys living. And then him and Ray have this very down-to-earth religious conversation in the car.
1: See, that's what I was trying to picture Eddie Murphy Murphy having.
0: It builds up
2: the the stakes of what might happen, and it kind of gives you a possible explanation for all the ghosts that have been popping up more and more. Because it is kind of a question of, if ghosts were this prevalent, then there would have been Ghostbusters a lot, and people would not be skeptical uh, of how often these ghosts are showing up but they're showing up more because something has been building up. So that that conversation is necessary, and then we get more specific details about it when we get into the details of the building that that Dana stays in and the Gozer worshipping cult uh, and whatnot. Uh, All those details are
0: good. What did you say? Ibo Shandor, the guy who built it.
2: Yeah, I love all the random details that uh, when they capture Lewis and they're asking him about different things, and he's, it's almost like he's making up different words. He's like, that time it came in the form of a giant
0: slore. Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shrubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slur That day, I can tell
2: you. <laughs> but he says it so excitedly, enthusiastically. Uh, it's just so funny to me. You will perish in flames. Um, it's 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 so, all. Yeah, go ahead.
1: When I was look when I was looking it up, or when I was looking at stuff about this, and I was trying to make the trivia, I found out that like almost every scene had like some sort of an ad lib on it. Like Bill Murray ad libbed so many parts, like so many lines, and so did. Uh, <sighs> Who plays Egon? Harold. He Grambus. apparently did a lot of ad libs as well, uh, and so Grambus. it's like it's just crazy because it just elevates it so much. And you compare that to like, okay, I, I don't want to compare it, but like um, when we are comparing it, if we were trying to compare it to another movie that we covered that had a bunch of ad libs, thinking Thor: Love and Thunder. Didn't we cover Thor: Love and Thunder?
2: No, not? not
0: once. We covered oh, it.
2: first mention on the podcast.
0: We did cover <laughs> Ant... We did I'm cover sorry. Ant-Man. I thought we covered. And it has I been... Thought... T- it's been talked about that they did... No, I'm talking about the first Ant-Man. No, because I
1: thought... Th- okay, well, I'm going to talk about Thor, Love, and Thunder. Because Thor, Love, and Thunder, like, a yeah. lot of it was ad libbed Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. it's just like, that doesn't work. But here it works so well. Because these guys are just so good at what they're doing. It's just incredible that they're like... That entire line when they're, at the very beginning when he's talking about... Um, Drilling a hole in his head, like that was that story was completely ad libbed on the spot by Bill Murray, and then his response or Egon's response was completely made up on the spot too. So it's like those conversations are so good, and they're just like not even written down. It's like you can't even plan. It. It's like this movie just happened, and it's incredible that it happened. And I just I, think that's so cool. That's so that's thing I want to talk about. I'm yeah,
0: about. to add to your point, Corey, I I do think this works better than a movie like Thor: Love and Thunder. Because yes, all these not, all these actors the best comfort, are but. able to let loose, but it's reined in. Like they know the bounds under which they are able to let loose within this movie. Nobody goes too far, you know. Everything yeah. that might be ad by Bill Murray. It's within the realm of possibility of this movie, which makes it work.
2: Yeah, it, it it all feels organic. It feels a little bit more natural here, and that's probably just a yes. product of you know the writing and the actors that we've all been talking about. Uh, switching gears, uh, talking about we've been talking about the busters, you know. But you know, what about these ghosts that they're that they're busting? Um, so like, what I'm curious, you guys, what, the, what do you guys have a favorite ghost uh, in this movie? You know, we got I got I got a few of them listed here in case you want a refresher. Uh, we have the you know, skeleton cab driver. We have the one that comes out of the subway. We have Slimer. We obviously have Gozer, Gozer's dogs, uh, the one in the library, and then of course the stay puffed marshmallow man. Uh, I'm just curious. What, which one? Which one stands out to you guys, Corey? Which? What's? Which? What's your favorite ghost in in uh, 1984's Ghostbusters?
1: Well, okay. Here's my favorite. My favorite scene with a ghost, and so okay. by by that, this would be my favorite ghost, and it would be the librarian. And the main reason why it's the librarian is because the opening scene, and we see things slowly start to like happen behind the current librarian, the alive librarian, with the, the shelves opening up and then the paper starts shooting out and it's all done like it because like today that would have been done like with special effects or some other way I don't know and it was done practically and it looked really and I was like that's scary if that just all of a sudden happened and so like all like right off the bat you're like this is this is okay we're we're in for something here we're um, so so bad. I really like that I really like that and so I think the librarian would have to be my favorite because of that
0: okay uh, I'm gonna oh. go, Gozer the Gozerian.
2: Mm. Aim for the flat top.
0: Yeah, uh, mainly because she asked Ray the ultimate question, and uh, when somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes.
2: You say
0: yes. <laughs> that's another great Winston line.
2: But that's that. <laughs> see, I I give, and I I want to address this because I can already hear my brother complaining out there. I. Make fun of Marvel movies a lot for making jokes in tense situations. That makes it seem like the stakes aren't real.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: like, like certain characters will make jokes a certain. Now, Bill Murray is craft cracking jokes, kind of at this end in a sarcastic right. way. That, but it it doesn't feel like him being like, ah, this isn't that serious. Like, wait, this is, ah, it's whatever. It feels more like a like a natural character. Uh, trait for him to cope with this situation by making sarcastic comments like it's not like he's any less scared because he's making these jokes if anything i think these jokes are happening because he is scared uh which which i think is what it was part of what makes it work um, and then other things are just funny even without them being jokes like like you were just saying like the, when someone asks if you're a god you say yes that's not like ernie like winston being like oh, i got a funny joke here it's just a funny thing for him to say in that moment without it being like a joke to the character. It's funny it's, for us, not it's for Winston. Him,
0: it's him saying like, dude, you fucked up, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a character inner It's a natural character interaction that is that is funny. Um stay tough, Marshmallow Man, for me. That's that's <laughs> <laughs> that's just so good. And I noticed I noticed harmless. they hinted at it earlier in the movie. You know, you see Dana bought a giant bag of stay plush marshmallows before the the eggs start burning on earth yeah which by the way another great practical effect i love that we have just eggs popping on this you know kitchen counter that's and then you know when bill murray comes in it with these eggs popped all over the counter he's like are these the eggs you know like those that's <laughs> that's that's so funny um and just the, the effects in general in this movie you know like uh, you know, obviously, the, the Stay Puff, a lot of the Stay Push Marshmallow Man is like miniatures that they did really well. Um, love that. That might be some of my favorite effects in the movie. The Slimer looks great. A lot of these, they have to like, it's a mix of some puppetry, and then other times they have to go like frame by frame and paint these ghosts onto the frame. These aren't like, it's not like CGI back here in 1984. You know, they have to paint these onto the, uh, onto the, these films. Um, and it's just, yeah, I love these designs. And, and like I said earlier, the, the ghosts are not that scary to where it's tonally off for the movie, but the joke is never, look how silly this ghost looks. Sometimes the ghost might do something funny, like, you know, it's like when the ghost eats all the hot dog or the Slimer eats all the hot dogs, you know, sure, but, like, it's not, we're not making fun of the fact that how silly is it that we're playing with ghosts here, you know? It's, it's, it's portrayed earnestly, in like, the whole Zool plot line, which is absurd, it's crazy, it's portrayed pretty earnestly, you know, like, I love the whole production design of that end, uh, you know, like with the, with the fog and, you know, that top of that building looking like a dimension to another world. I'm, I'm, I'm into all that. Uh, also, yeah, so I, the action of the movie works really well for me, even on top of the comedy. The actual Oh yeah. And, and
0: the comedy works because we are introduced to these characters who are in fact, you know, th- 30, 40 year old men. And they stay the same. They do not develop throughout this movie. No matter what he does, Ray does not become more confident or, you know, learn a social skill by any means. Winston's still figuring out who he is within this group. Peter Venkman's never going to not be Peter Venkman, and Egon's never not going to be Egon. So it works that we just get to see these characters as they are throughout this entire movie and this is their life's work coming to fruition but they don't they don't seem to care they they're just doing the job you know
2: yeah I think they it just I mean, the, the genre blend uh, of this movie is interesting because this is made to be like a blockbuster this is made this is kind of an expensive movie with stars attached designed to make a lot be accessible. Be be adult enough to where everyone like adults are finding it very funny and stuff, but it's not like out of the realm for kids to enjoy too. Because I'm sure, I mean, I was watching this movie by the time I was nine or whatever, and thought it was hilarious. Uh, Like so, made to appeal to a mass audience, but I think I, I mean, I'm obviously not an expert on 70s cinema or something, and or before this movie, 80s cinema in this regard at least, Uh, it's taking ghosts, which I think to this point are pretty much just relegated to you know horror movies, and. I think this is the first time that you're bringing them into a funnier sense uh, you know to, for mass appeal and not just like some haunted house Vincent Price movie or something like that obviously you you have horror comedies and like Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein or something maybe but even then it's not like they're portraying the the like just like I was saying they, they don't portray the ghosts as jokes they don't portray like Frankenstein as jokes Abbott and Costello are funny but like they're not making fun of the, the monsters and stuff, but I think this is such a unique, why I'm so drawn to this movie on top of everything we've already said is it is such a great, unique blend of, you know, ghosts, bringing ghosts into a blockbuster sensibility with the stakes and the the broad, accessible humor in that sense. Um, it's just all, it's just a great mix. It jives really well for me.
1: Oh,
0: yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, you said it all. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I mean in terms of movies that did that I think Men in Black kind of does the same thing with sci-fi later in the 90s not quite not quite to this level of success I'd say but you know it I, I think yeah, I, definitely I'm, not. I'm a pretty big fan of Men in Black so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to discuss that. Um, both had sequels with
0: Chris Hemsworth.
2: Or reboots. Oh, yes, Chris they Hemsworth. did. Yes, they did. Yeah. Wow, good connection there.
0: No, I would say MIB I I Right, because it's international would have been more of a sequel than a reboot because you know Emma Thompson's in that one,
2: reprising her role for Men in Black Three. Yes, she's in Men in Black Three. Yeah, she Dude.
0: is. Dude, Men in Black Three is pretty solid.
2: It's a. I remember liking it. I haven't seen it since around that time it came out, but maybe I we'll get there one the day. Last time I saw knows. it. You guys uh, got anything else for for action, or are you guys? Uh,
1: I'm good. One? I I think we said it all. I. Big fan, big big fan. It Mm -hmm. worked for me. Everything worked for me. Hot take. I mean, we can go on and list more bits, but i I I was saying we can just say we we can just
2: repeat more lines from the movie that people have already seen. You know, (laughs) it's great podcasting. So, podcasting.
0: There is one thing I wanted to bring up, and Zach, we talk about this. No, it's something that we talk about when we (laughs) talk about Neil Gammon writing, um, Mm -hmm. the Sandman film the Sandman books. As we know, Desire is an androgynous character. Oh, well done. Good word. And the way they describe Gozer is androgynous. Though the, the terminology, it Egon's pronoun game is not what it should be. You know, let's just put that out there. I don't think uh, it's,
2: I don't think it's an issue for referring to Gozer. Yeah. A plus,
0: a plus, a plus for effort Egon. But I, I kind of thought about that, and I'm like, this was pretty ahead of its time for doing oh, that. Okay.
2: I and... don't think it was quite thinking of it in that way. Uh, but sure, we can give it more credit if we want. Yeah. yeah. I would like there to.
1: There you go, Cole. There you go.
0: You know? Yeah.
2: Why, yeah, why not? Go, go Ghostbusters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving, on. <laughs> moving on to the awards season.
0: Apparently, they straight-off course, and we're fairly certain they're in gorilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Cause some damn fool accused you of being the best. All
1: right,
2: uh, I'll go. I, I don't have to go first. I got a few options. So
1: no, no, you can go first, Zach. You never yeah. go
0: first. I got a few. Okay, well, options,
2: you know what? I'll, too, I'll, I'll uh, go off the path well. and kind of what I was referring to earlier with how impressive these special effects are and how much I love these ghost designs. I'm actually gonna go with the special effects supervisor Richard Edlund. Uh, he just, you know, all these designs, like I was saying, from the Slimer. Uh, to the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, the skeleton cab driver, love that guy. Uh, you know, even the way that the the Proton, whatchamacallits, uh, you know, streams look, all of that, you know, has to be designed and curated, painted, whatever. Uh, I'm a it's got a charm to it. Never, you know, obviously it's not like, oh, that's photorealistic. But when it's things like that, there's a charm to it. You can see the work. You can see the tangibility of some of it and it's it makes it makes a difference. So I'm gonna go with Richard Enland for the for the ghost effects in this movie.
1: Cole? Corey. No, oh, go ahead. You can go Cole. No. Um, okay, then I'll I'll take uh Bill Murray. Bill Murray just uh like I said, he there was uh a lot of ad lib lines and I think that just elevated the movie. I think it felt very Real, the lines felt organic, it felt like it was really a part of the movie, even though it wasn't necessarily written in the script. And that's thanks to him. Um, well, his lines are thanks to him at least. Uh, I, the, the bits landed with me. Uh, I bought his character, and I felt like a very good uh, mirror to the very serious scientist that we had. Um, and so yeah, I he was definitely my favorite, and I cannot wait to see him in the next one. Mm-hmm. As of right now, I'm excited to see him in the next
0: one. Oh, uh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, Ghostbusters okay, 2. Okay. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to go. have to go. We've talked a lot about the bits, the characters, um, hmm. but they would not be possible without our screenwriters, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, who are both actors cool. in this movie, and I think they do a phenomenal job. We use this term a lot when describing a screenplay. This movie is sharp. All the lines, the scenes, it's all put together really well. And it all works on such a great level. It's funny. It's serious when it needs to be. And I think they're both phenomenal actors in this movie. Even though Harold Ramis is not always an actor. He more takes pride in his writing. I would... And directing, I would say he's phenomenal in both roles.
2: Did he direct Caddyshack? Was that him?
0: Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Gotcha.
1: Can I give an honorable mention?
0: Yes. Annie Is it Delsa Bernstein?
1: Down, no, I wrote down Annie Potts. I thought mm-hmm. she did so good in her role. and I, I, It wasn't a very big role, but she just delivered it so well, and she was so memorable. And I think she deserves a lot of
0: credit for that. So I just wanted to give her an honorable mention.
1: She was on my list if you guys took Bill Murray.
0: You, you said you'd be hiring more help. Well, there's always uh, jobs not in the service. another line, Cole. Cole, there's Cole, you hit our line All
2: <laughs> Alrighty, well, moving on to the review section.
0: says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, your kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds.
1: Okay, Cole, you're going first. Do you understand yep. how this works? Did you write one down?
0: Yes. Okay, good. Go ahead. Like, slime, like Slimer, this podcaster gobbled up everything this movie had to offer. Everything was sharp, well put together, and perfect. Five out of five. Oh, play, it it. play Ring it. the button or play this. <sighs>
2: That's beautiful. Five stars, Angel. Five stars. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. That's not for a Alright, alright, alright. Yeah, right. boy. That's...
0: God damn, Jimmy. That was bloody bloody. This is some serious gourmet shit. That was totally wicked. This is incredible. Oh, you like it? Oh, my. oh that's One
2: such a. Can touch the hiney. A perfect movie from Cole says it's a perfect film.
0: <laughs> I'd say it's perfect. Go ahead, Corey. It's not one of the Uh, most underrated movies of the decade, but, you know.
1: Come for the classic horror style and stay for the smart, simple, and very effective humor. Make sure you are securely fastened in your seats for at least the beginning and the end, but feel free to roam about the cabin during the middle of the movie. 4.1 out of
2: 5. Wow, wow, wow. Well said. Well said. 4.1, huh? Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh. Low, <laughs> <laughs> That Well, that
1: that middle part just like kind of weighed me down. I felt like hey. I was kind of like losing focus a little bit. And it still did not take. Four point one out of five is still a phenomenal movie.
2: You don't have to
0: justify your hate to it us. It's okay. Work,
2: work,
1: I don't hate it. I really, really like this
2: movie.
0: Just, I'm only doing it, it this to me sad. because you guys, you guys, since you did this to me during Halloween, so. <laughs>
2: Well, that was that's a, that was an absurd take. Oh. Oh, shut up. Go. All right, 1984's Ghostbusters is a sublime blend of blockbuster filmmaking and spooky fun. But what's that you say? It's 280s? The protagonist is vaguely problematic. <laughs> the person trying to protect the environment is vilified. Well, to those questions, I would say, shut up, nerd. It's wonderfully rendered ghouls. SNL vets at the top of their game. Genre legend Sigourney Weaver. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Five out of five. I think this movie is so much fun.
1: Hit the button. Play the
2: sound. It's play it a perfect again. movie. Listen to all 30 seconds of it again. <laughs> It's Five stars, Angel. Five stars. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. I might cut it off on the second time if we've already nah, had to play once, nah. but, play it. But play no, gotta Play it through.
1: Play it through. God, it's for the bit. Yeah. So I'm an outlier here. I didn't realize I didn't realize I was so low on this. I thought I was right about, I mean, according to Letterboxd, I'm above the average.
0: Yeah, but, uh, Corey, I do have to ask, when was the first time you ever saw this movie?
1: I don't remember. It's been a while. This is one of the ones that I would see when I saw growing up.
0: Yeah, because this is one I can remember watching with my dad when I was like five years old.
1: Well, not five years old. You definitely do not remember watching a movie at five years old.
0: I remember going to see my first movie at four years old, Corey. No, you so do, do I, not. Actually,
2: I my earliest memory is two thousand three. Spy Kids three D. Spy Kids three D. I remember going to see. It. I have the memory first of
0: two thousand three. My first memory my is first going movie. to see Spider Man Two in theaters with my dad, my uncle, my cousin, and my brother.
2: That is 2004. Right. I have memory of seeing Spider Man Two as well.
1: Great movie. Great movie. I don't remember my first movie memory. I I don't know how you guys do that. Well, uh, Zach
0: okay. usually pairs it with something traumatic, like a cat dying. You know, so yeah, that was left that in. Um, well. <laughs>
1: post credit scene
0: you're still here it's over go home
2: next week we're watching ghostbusters 2 and ghostbusters (laughs) and ghostbusters 2016 so that that's in two weeks from from this episode we i I want to
1: apologize to the audience this isn't these movies aren't streaming anywhere unfortunately right now you have to rent them um, if you're gonna watch it, but like this one, kind of a classic, I think you should be able to listen to this podcast you without just say, kind needing. Of... Relax, it's cla- whatever, but you wouldn't oh. need to rewatch it. Like I, 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 like I could listen to this podcast because I knew
2: I knew you're what it right, was. I, I've seen the movie.
0: So Plus, we did all the bits. Very memorable. So you know, right? Yeah, we, we said we, enough we, of the lines. We, we
2: repeated enough yeah. of the lines that you got the sense of it. So.
1: But I just want to apologize because but we're doubling up again. Like Zach said, 2016 and Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Guys, I watched Dune.
2: Yes, you did. Yeah.
1: I am so excited for Dune 2. I can even I I I cracked open the book again. I, I don't know if I'll I did too. It. <laughs> I did too. I've been listening to my audio <laughs> did book. You?
2: Uh yeah. I've been listening to my audio book uh just in passing and I have it on my like saved on my Apple iBooks or whatever. So I just I'll have that on in the shower. If I have a longer car ride, I'll get a couple chapters mm. in. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm back in, or I'm back on Arrakis. I am definitely a Dune dude at the moment. My Dune. I've been I'm listening Arrakis. to uh, the the, the like score that. from the like first that, movie Corey. a lot I, I got uh, at the gym. If I play "Ripples in the Sand" or "Leaving Caladan" off the uh, off the soundtrack, and I pretend that I'm Paul Atreides, uh, you know, preparing for some revenge against the Harkonnens, I get a great work out in, let me tell you guys, you guys gotta try that method. It's very effective. Um yeah, I I don't think I've been more excited for a movie since Rise of Skywalker before the reviews and leaks came out, which sapped my enthusiasm a little bit.
0: What about so Avengers I'm, Endgame?
2: I'm, I, I well that was after Avengers Endgame is actually before Rise of Skywalker. So oh, well, uh, shit. Yeah. my statement is still accurate. But thank you for the keeping me on my toes.
1: I was watching this movie this weekend.
2: And I, so
1: it, one, of, one of my girlfriend's friends was over and she was like asking questions about it, which I'm all, you know what, I've seen the movie plenty of times that if someone's asking questions, I, you know what, let me, let me get you into the lore. Let me get mm-hmm. you into this because let me treat you to, to join one of the coolest fan clubs that, mm-hmm. that you could be a part of. And so I was telling her all about this and all, and I'm just, it just got me more excited. I would still pause the movie because I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to, like, miss anything again, That's but a big I would pause cut. the
0: movie. Zach, what did you watch? Uh,
2: what did I watch? Oh, I've been watching the Alien movies, you know? Sigourney Weaver. Really didn't talk about her much in this movie, but she was, she. Sigourney Weaver was also in Ghostbusters, guys. She was really good. Dana Barrett. Uh, I was watching Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Alien 3, I saw once a long, long time ago. This time I watched the Assembly Cut, which is like a half hour longer. And then I also watched Alien Resurrection. They're both very different movies, tonally. Uh, I enjoyed them both to an extent for different reasons. I'm not going to spoil Alien 3, but if if you like Alien and Aliens, <laughs> Alien 3 can be a pretty jarring <laughs> experience uh, in terms of some plot decisions they make in that movie. Especially if you like Aliens. Um it's like the, I think when my my Letterbox Review was something along the lines of: It's like the writers of Alien Three had a bully growing up. They just were getting bullied all the time. They were their, their life was hell. They, they they didn't know what to do. This bully was bigger than them. There was nothing they could do about it. And now they're adults, and it is still just simmering with them. And it's like they just can't quite get over it. They can't move on with their life, and they don't know what to do about it. And then they found out that this bully liked James Cameron's Aliens, and they knew what they could do. And that's 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 what Alien Three is like. Uh, so, that I w- I would recommend watching it though. It's interesting. It's a David Fincher movie, even though he's disowned it. And then Alien Resurrection is just silly, but it's also fun. I'm I'm just getting ready for this new Alien movie. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about them when we get closer to that. That comes out in August. The... But...
0: wait? What? They've already Alien, like, new Alien
2: movie comes out in August. They've already Alien filmed it. <laughs> yeah, it's filmed. It's called Alien Romulus, directed by Fetty Alvarez, who did Don't Breathe and uh, the 2013 Evil Dead. So it's going to be a pretty. Grizzly horror movie coming up, you know, with Xenomorphs Romulus again.
1: is the homeworld of the Romulans.
2: Nice. You think, maybe they're in it. It's a space movie. Maybe yeah. maybe this is the connection. It's probably more about that ancient Rome legend, I'm assuming. Isn't that an ancient Roman legend about someone named, like a baby named Romulus? It yes, okay, it it's probably that.
0: <laughs> it's... <laughs> Tell us that story, Corey. But we don't I'm know. <laughs> we
2: don't know until we see it. We do not know.
0: Yeah, because they, what, what did you watch? When... Prophet prometheus covenant romulus um well the super bowl was on sunday that's probably my favorite on that one i
1: couldn't couldn't box it so it doesn't count yeah
0: yeah but yeah uh, deadpool 3 trailer did drop during that deadpool and wolverine it had one of talk about those movies yeah my well i i only want to bring this up because i saw one of a character who i thought was very underrated in the last two x men films of the original trilogy pyro appears has one line in the trailer i bet he gets murked in the movie but uh excited to see him back other than that i um uh, actually rewatched the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe Oh.
2: just the first one yeah it's yeah, got a voyage of the Dawn Treader. The movie sucks. It's got
1: little well, poltergeists. Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian's
0: okay. okay. But Who anyway.
2: uh, played Prince Caspian? Was it someone we know? Ben Barnes, it was, of Westworld
0: yeah. fame. Hmm. Yep, 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 He's yep. handsome. He's vi- He's okay. Don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. So handsome. Anyway, um, the movie was a lot. You know, I always remember those movies fondly. Every time I watch them, I'm like. You know what? This was this was pretty solid. Also, Harry Gregerson Williams did the score, and the score is so great. The movies were written by uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who famously did... Avengers. Yeah, and Stephen all McFeely. three all three of the Cap I films. Know
2: uh, I like those Cap films.
0: I do, too. I would love to talk about those Cap films one day. Eh,
2: maybe.
1: Maybe. I want
2: to stay away from the MCU now.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Maybe <laughs> hey, we can...
2: don't, don't back down, Cole. Stay with your convictions. Don't let Corey bully <laughs> you. Know you the... No, no, Corey <laughs> said something.
0: The Corey gave me this shirt. And now I have to do what he says.
2: We bring up the MCU as a comparison so much. It definitely lives on our minds rent free. We always bring up like, well, whereas the MCU would do this, dude, this movie did this. And like, dude, it's like, Kevin, we, Kevin we, we just can't knows. divorce ourselves. From, I bet you,
0: Kevin Feige it was such
2: one a big of our, part of our
1: lives right. for so long.
2: Oh, you see, that reminded me. I did watch the Marvels. I did actually watch the Marvels recently.
1: Oh, you did? How was? Yeah. I wouldn't say yeah. it's bad,
2: but it's not it's, great. Uh, it's just so upsetting. Uh, actually, I'm kind of relieved by how little I cared that I didn't like it that much. You know, usually that I can imagine three years. If this movie came out four years ago, I would be devastated by my thoughts on it. I'd be like, oh. You know, but after we had our first mid-Marvel movie day, everything just goes down a little easier. <laughs> Mid-Marvel what movie day. mid oh, Eternals. movie day? Uh-huh. On Mid-Marvel movie day? You're going to say this to me? You know, that like that was... <laughs> yeah, I think Eternals is definitely safely better than the Marvels, but, you know, that wasn't uh, a great movie either.
0: Really sad. I just heard Kumal Nanjiani admit that because the movie did not do well, he ended up, like, going to therapy. Cause he was so invested in Dude, the success so, of the movie. I just don't understand. Do actors not know if a
1: movie is good or like if it's going to be well received by watching it? Because I feel like even with Eternals, like while watching it, like ever, like we were both, because like, I think we saw it together, and we were just like, eh, like I don't. That it was, was just
2: very fine. It was doing a lot of interesting things, but also a lot of things were just kind of falling flat.
0: It was. It was like, such a okay, subdued
1: okay, to not justify movie. do do. But do actors not realize it because they are they not there at the pre-screening or they they're there at the premiere? Like, do they not get to see this movie? Do they not realize watching the movie before the public that this probably isn't going to do very well? Like, is it something that I just don't understand? I don't know. I
0: I uh, kind of always wonder that, too. If you've ever watched the show Entourage, it kind of portrays the film industry anytime Vince makes a movie he thinks it's gonna be a hit maybe it's just because he's in it or something like that until one movie is like really really bad but until the movie came out at like a film festival he didn't know so I'm guessing that is the situation you know you believe in a project so much you have so much faith in it I just gotta wonder why there are so many
1: movies that are so bad
2: I'm sure Dakota Johnson had a had a feeling that Madam Web might not be an Oscar contender this year. I, I she must that have, have be had. An Oscar. I Oscar. I know, it, I know. I'm being sarcastic, but
1: but like, okay. Cole and I were actually talking about this before you got on because I was watching review on Madam Web just because like came up. I was like, you know what? I'll watch it. I'll, I guess I was interested in seeing it. You know, it's Spider Man's doing well. I was interested, but I was
2: watching
0: it Love and it's Spidey. just like.
1: And it did so bad, and they're saying it might be the worst, like, one of the worst movies ever made. No way it's worse than
2: Morbius. No way it's worse than Morbius. They're saying Uh. it is. Or this Ah. person said it is. This
1: person said it is. And so I'm just, but, like, if it's that bad, you have to think that, like, all these people that are on it, like, someone's got to realize during the making of the movie that, like, oof, this is not going very good. And at that point,
2: like, you... Why you can't not stop. Exactly.
1: You got money invested. Change course. I'm not saying stop. I'm not saying stop, trash it, throw it away. But, like, you have all this money invested, and you would make so much more money if you just adjusted course to correct what needs to be corrected.
0: Yeah. Some like, of I do, do not
1: understand how these big studios th- – how much – Cole, look this up. How much money uh, – what was the budget for Madam Web? Look up the budget for Madam Web.
0: I'm looking it up okay.
1: as we speak. Because – if you're if if you're Sony and you're putting all 80 million this money, not including
2: marketing it's what 80 million, 80 million not, not including, including marketing, marketing which is usually double so 160 million
1: so that is insane all this money that they are spending just for a movie to get bad reviews and then because of the bad reviews probably not do very well in the box office and so maybe they break even maybe they make a little bit of money but it's like if they adjusted course And did something a little bit different. They probably could have doubled their return on it. And it's, like, insane to me that all these movie studios just don't do stuff like that. Where they just, like, let the movie go its course. Or, I don't... Maybe they do. Maybe they do correct it and it ends up being worse than they originally thought. And I don't... I don't know. I I guess I... I'm the- not privy to the inner the inner workings of the movie industry, but it just it baffles me that stuff like that happens with TV shows, I understand it a little bit ba- I understand it a little bit more, especially when you're changing like directors each episode because I think a lot of TV shows used to do that at least, but it's easier to get lost in everything and like I, and I, I kind of understand that not to the same. Not the same. That's
2: Hollywood, baby. That's like you always say.
1: But it's just so insane. Like, that Sony Spider Venom verse, whatever it is, all those movies, one of them, and I don't like to use Rotten Tomatoes, but I mean, this is only one of them has a Rotten Tomatoes score over 30. That is insane. It's Venom 2.
2: You like that? Who saw Venom 2? Good picture. What about Craven? Craven hasn't come out yet. I just—it's gonna sorry, be. Sorry, I went I believe in I, Craven. I—I I not. I have no. Why would I believe in Craven? Why? Why would I believe that they are taking a? And I'm not into making the villain the good guy trend type thing. Just, sometimes it's okay for a villain to be a villain. All right. Like it's. Uh, yeah, They've made it's,
1: too many heroes the hero.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, we have too many. He, we already have this many heroes. You telling me that we got to keep adding to the heroes by subtracting yeah, from the villains like, now? Yeah, but
0: like all these that that was also something that was a big problem with DC. they they announced all these movies and I would argue that Harley Quinn, she's never a hero in any of those movies. She does but good. She's a thing. more fun
2: personality than you can sell a Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn movie to me better than you can sell Aaron Taylor Johnson as a Craven movie to me. It's it's just I, I, I would rather watch Harley Quinn do bad things. Then watch Aaron Taylor Johnson, you know, to do whatever he's gonna do as Craven. But who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's gonna be a surprise, awesome movie, and that's why they delayed it for so long, um, whole year. But yeah, that's always a great sign. Um, yeah, that's I so crazy. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think some movies do have big budget reshoots go on that help the movie. Uh, so it's not. that's not always the case. Sometimes they do know there's a problem, and they, they, they have to bring people back for reshoots. That doesn't always happen, obviously. And sometimes the reshoots don't always fix the problem, but it, it, it does happen from, from time to time. Um, I, I, I needed to go on a little rant there. I'm sorry. No, that's just, okay. it's okay. Just, it's, just,
1: it's just baffling to me that this happens.
2: Like, we yeah, had to yeah, fill out the runtime really for the episode. Really? It was one of our shorter ones on such a big well, movie, too. Well, I, was kind of, I, you know, I do just want to say
0: this this one thing in regards to Corey's whole like how he doesn't see it Nia DaCosta said something about when she was making the Marvels which I think kind of pet- perpetuates this big machine that is you know Marvel Studios she said when you come on to a movie like this you are coming on to a Kevin Feige production you know the movie is not going to be Orcs. You know, and it's it's a sad truth, but you know, big studios they don't let filmmakers kind of be themselves. The only one I really think who had a creative voice in all of his movies, I I will say maybe the Russo brothers, but definitely James Gunn.
2: I think Taika Waititi got his voice in his movies. Now I would argue. A for worse much. in love and thunder i think the taiki what of it actually it was overloaded too much to the point where it was obnoxious but i think that was very much a taiki Watiti type of movie
1: i i do not think
2: currently not
1: not that i know too much because i haven't really watched many marvel movies recently and i haven't seen any of the shows in a while um I do not think Marvel knows its voice. And I know, that, like, she said specifically for the Marvels, like, it's not her voice being had. I don't think it's even a Kevin Feige thing at this point because I think Kevin Feige had a lot to do with Endgame, Infinity War, and a lot of Phase 3. And Phase 3 is very good. All those movies that come out, is one after another. Very good productions. And Hell it's of just, a phase. Oh, oh, yeah, and it's like, I don't think blaming it on... Saying this is a Kevin Feige production and all that. And, like, I understand that probably is what it feels like from her point of view because she's probably not given too much leeway, but I don't even think he's given too much leeway. I don't, I don't, I feel like it's being taken out of their control. And so, I, and not to say like this is just Marvel by any
2: means, but I, like, I don't know, man. It's, there's, there is, well, to Cole's point about like finding a filmmaker finding their voice uh, in a Marvel movie, I, I would argue. Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness was was kind of it, it's almost in a perfect encapsulation uh, of what it could be and what it is. Uh, in that, it did feel like Sam Raimi had certain duties he had to uphold uh, while making that movie to push forward the the multiverse agenda and you know move forward that plot and whatnot and you know get this Illuminati in here and fill these cameo quotas, which, you know, I've, I, I think that the, the, that stuff worked for me because of what they ended up doing to them, uh, which felt kind of funny, almost like a satire in of itself, a fan service. But there, there are other problems in that movie that kind of plague a lot of other Marvel movies that, you know, I feel like Omar are, are more script issues or just production issues out of Sam Raimi's hands. Now on the other side of it, what I loved about the things that I loved about that movie were so distinctly Sam Raimi stuff to that where he was allowed to put his own directorial flourishes in there and like in the editing and the camera work and, and whatnot. And some of the, the, you know, not that it's a horror film, but some of the more horror ish elements that were put into that Marvel property. I think were all very distinctly Sam Raimi. And that's why I, I, I out of the phase four movies, that, that's one that I, I lean more favorably towards. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, if it's Sam Raimi, cool. If they give Sam Raimi another movie, Um, I I would be, you know, very, I would see it. I'd be very interested to see it. And, uh, I think just letting filmmakers get more interesting with, with their properties is, is overall a good thing. Uh, that that doesn't mean that they have to, should be allowed to just break canon and do whatever they want at this point, but maybe don't have a, a mandated agenda of what this film has to accomplish for the overall universe. Sometimes maybe putting an individual narrative and let something be more singular and specific, uh, can benefit. The, the movie at this point because the whole gimmick of the cinematic universe is just is played out. Who cares at this point?
0: Yeah. But this was a good discussion. I love this. Good shit. I'm going to
2: cut it all. Um, all right, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I stopped recording 10 minutes ago. I thought we were just shooting the shit. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, like we said, in two weeks from now, uh, we will be doing our Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters 2016, I believe it was. That's when the uh, the third one came out. Uh, it's the one with the girls. That's that's that one. Uh, in case you were confused,
1: do we know any women that could be on the podcast?
0: They scare There's me. My sister. If... For this one,
1: uh, no, mm-hmm. that's fine. We're, we're we're qualified to talk about it, so I'm not too worried about it.
0: We're qualified to talk about the issues, guys. We I can speak yeah. on women's issues. We're the we're the sons of mothers here, you know.
2: Mm, we are the sons of the we are the grandsons of the women that you couldn't burn, the witches you couldn't whatever that <laughs> phrase is. We are oh, the, the witches we, you did burn. Yeah, that's who we are. Um, that's a good <laughs> name for our next sons. podcast. Um oh, the witches! I, you didn't ful- burn. I fumbled whatever that phrase is, but it <laughs> made did, it better. Just... It made it better though. That was great. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh,
1: okay, I my, my dog's scratching at the door. He's got to go potty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. And, Catch cool. and I later. have to go potty. We will, we will see you in two weeks. Same time, same place. Probably, maybe, we don't know. Probably. See you. Say bye. bye.